koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley filling in for Tom today. I'm pastor of Living Streams Church. Me and a bunch of other men and women lead that wonderful congregation. And with me in the studio is Jason Backus. Jason is a passionate man of God. He loves the Lord with all his heart. He's an executive in a very big company, and uh, we're going to get to know him up close and personal. And I think you're going to be amazed by some of his insights and some of the ways the Lord's using him. Jason, thanks for being with me on the program today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Why don't we begin by giving us your official title and what you do for the Bank of America? So I'm the senior vice president, and it's a great position I have. I'm actually over the life safety department. So that means any associate anywhere that gets sick or hurt, anytime we have to evacuate a building, any contagious disease outbreak, my team comes and responds to that, and we get to be um, kind of the pastors of the business world every day. So how many total worldwide employees do you guys have? Around 230,000. 230,000. That's amazing. And how many different branches or nations are you located um, in? We're in 47 nations. And with thousands of branches. Then. Yeah. So anytime there's an earthquake, a terrorist attack, a fire, or whatever, you guys could be called in. Yeah, I always say when everybody starts running away, my team starts running towards it. And, and that's where we get to help our, our associates and our employees and our customers make sure they're protected and safe. So everything from the Boston marathon to an earthquake in South or Central America, you guys are there. Yeah, absolutely. Boston Marathon, four in the morning, I was awake making the decision if we were going to close down all of Boston Central the next day when we knew the gun, Mm -hmm. uh, the terrorists were on the loose still. And Bank of America made a decision, even though there was a monetary need, they decided to close everything because we never wanted to put an associate at risk, and I got to make that call. So you get a chance to influence the lives of thousands of people, and you're a man of faith, and that's the real reason I've got you here because a lot of people wonder, how can I serve the Lord when I'm in the business environment? A lot of people struggle, and they almost have two different identities. They have their business identity, then they have their family identity, and then maybe they have their church identity. And that's not too healthy, in my opinion. Yeah, it's a great point. It's funny. It came up with my daughter at 12 years old, and she started talking about her church friends and her school friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, no, no, there should never be a separation. Who you are at school should be who you are at home, should be who you are when you go to church. And I really believe that as men, we have to be the example of that. Right that we are the same in our home, in our churches, in our workplace, and the guy that's having fun at a picnic in the neighborhood. So that, in my opinion, is the definition of integrity. It's oneness, it's wholeness, it's being the same, and obviously being the same on the right kind of foundation. So as we get into this conversation, I want you to talk about how you've navigated a difficult uh, business environment, how you serve your employees, almost like a pastor would serve 
the people in this church, some of the challenges you faced, and then we're going to get into your passion as well. My guest is Jason Backus, one of the executive vice presidents of Bank of America and a friend of mine, and I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation. We're going to be right back after these messages. Welcome back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley from Living Streams. My guest is Jason Backus. Jason, um, let's get away from business for a few minutes and talk about your faith. Uh, give us an idea of how you really fell in love with Jesus. You know, I have I've grew up in a Christian family and, and loved Jesus or had a relationship mm-hmm. with him all my life. I can't remember being separated from him. Um, but I do remember my first Ron Luce Acquire the Fire at fourteen fifteen, mm-hmm. um, going there and him talking about were you just going to be a Christian? Were you just going to get by? Are you were you going to be a soul winning, world changing, turned on, mm-hmm. wild kind of Christian? Mm-hmm. And I made a decision there that just just fire insurance wasn't going to be enough. Yeah. I was going to sell out. And, and so at 13, 14 years old, started going on mission trips, um, and it really became the direction of my life. I knew I was going to be in the ministry wherever I went was yeah. going to become that ministry. I remember the first time I heard you preach at Living Streams, and you were just passionate, you know, and on fire. And, and it really had a wonderful impact on people. You've been sharing your faith really, ever since you were 14 years old then, haven't you? Yeah, it really, it, it became a passion. Mm-hmm. And when I become passionate about something, it it never gets changed. And so it's great that when it works in faith, mm-hmm. it can be a dilemma when I when I get some bad practices under me. Yeah, um, yeah. But, but it really has worked out well for that. So one of the things you've done in the local church, you've been working with Streams Church for many years, and I know you're in transition right now, but you have worked on making men disciples. Tell yeah. us about that. Thank you. Uh, 11 years ago, we started Dreams Church with Lloyd and Judy Baker uh, and came out of the Living mm-hmm. Streams family um, where we had been discipled. And one of the passions that we got early on was to see men take that next step. Mm-hmm. We started seeing these women come to church with their kids, and they said, oh, my husband will never come. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lloyd and I used that as a challenge. Oh, yeah. really? Give us five minutes with them, and we'll see. Because I think the the question that comes up is, if you go to church, you're not a real man. Yeah. But you can't love college football more than I do. Go blue. You can't you can't be more about more impassioned about yeah. being a mature man and, and mentoring people than I am about being a father. Mm-hmm. And I think when we started sitting down with men one by one, all of a sudden we saw this change in our church from uh, this group of women that were coming to all of a sudden their husbands were coming yeah. and were accepting Christ for the first time. 
and and just beginning to walk out uh, that next step in their relationship with God, becoming the man of their family and trying to lead in a spiritual example. Amen. One of the reasons that I really um, began to admire Jason in a special way, we have an annual men's retreat up at Lost Canyon with some close to 500 men showing up. And you guys have brought a contingent from Streams Church of 60, 70, 80 guys that are just on fire for the Lord. I mean, they sing, they, they, they get the whole camp moving in the right direction in the spirit. How have you worked to take a man from being just a reluctant attender to being a passionate worshiper? Yeah, what a great question. I think it, you see it in Lloyd and I. Number one, worship has always been a priority in our life. Mm. We feel where it's a tangible way where you interact with God outside of the, the can you do this for me, God? Can mm. you do that? Or, or listening to a message. Those are things that God gives us. Worship is something that we give him and should be the response. And so I always encourage men. I said, if you're at a Cardinal game, and you're fine with just politely clapping when they score a touchdown, by all means, let that be the level of your worship. (laughs) But if you're going crazy at a Cardinal game, and now you're sitting in the presence of the holy, almighty God, you better be going crazy here. And I think our men at our church get to see Lloyd and I have that personality and that affection for God. And we've been able to stir that up, you know, that this is what an appropriate manly response looks like. Um, And I get so upset because there's a lot of churches now that say, make church comfortable for men. Mm -hmm. Don't push them. Don't make them get up and shake hands with people. Don't make them respond in worship. But if you have a relationship with God, you want to respond. And so we're teaching them how to respond and we make it okay to respond. We get rid of the shame of that. Um, And that's why at men's retreat, we dim the lights. People ask me, why do you dim the lights? Why do you play the music so loud? Because I don't want men to feel self-conscious about their voice. And I I don't want them looking around. I want them to just be focused on God and I in this moment. Mm -hmm. And every year at men's retreat, tens and twenties of men for the first time raise their hands and then they come home and they get to be that example in their family. I remember the first real retreat I ever went on and it was at a camp, it was like a camp meeting in the Santa Cruz mountains. And, um, basically I saw people singing and dancing, and <laughs> singing in the spirit, things I had never seen before. And I was a good Catholic boy who had accepted Jesus and, and, I had a hard time getting a verbal prayer out past my lips, you know, <laughs> if it wasn't a rote prayer that I had memorized. And watching them, and I was challenged. And then I finally literally went out under the redwood trees and began to sing on my own and lift my hands for the first time. And and eventually, back in the meetings, got into dancing. And it was like I got broken from an free from an eggshell. You know what I mean? A shell that that you don't even realize is around you that may protect you, but in reality, it becomes a death trap if you don't break out of it as a believer. Yeah, I, I totally hear what you're saying. And I think that's what's so important, creating that environment. Mm-hmm. They create an environment um, for you where you saw it by example, right. and you felt like you could be safe within that environment. You weren't going to be the weird one. 
And I think we can do that in our churches when we have men that are all in for God and are that example. And I think men's retreat, when you have over 500 guys screaming at the top of the lungs for God, something happens. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always found that when we anticipate God, he always responds with everything that he has for us. And um, I never have to beg somebody to come back to our men's retreat a second mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Sometimes I have to bargain and steal the to get time, them there yeah. the first time, but I never have to do it the second time. Now, you're an interesting guy because on one hand, you're a passionate preacher, passionate worshiper. But on the other hand, you're also a real administrator. A lot of people that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit seem to think that the Holy Spirit is just going to take it care of everything. Therefore, we don't have to plan. We don't have to strategize. We don't have to organize. But one of the things we've discovered when you got more involved in the administration of the retreat is it all began to work more smoothly. Everybody felt more comfortable. There were sort of like the bones, the skeletal structures in place so that the spirit can move without people being too super frustrated. Yeah, I think it's such a great point because I deal with those people dealing with other mm-hmm. pastors as we try to encourage people to go, and, and sometimes administration isn't their best. Um, what I always try to do is create the structure, like you said, the bones, mm-hmm. so that God can show up and there won't be any distractions. I want to I eliminate distractions, and I want to set um, an environment that is can be a conduit to God's power. And so we spend time praying and fasting before our retreats. We make sure everything is done with an excellence. And then I remind myself after I've fought for every single person to get there and, and people have canceled mm-hmm. and, and you're just, you're so wound up. And then I give it to God and say, God, now I've done everything to create the structure. I just give it to you as my yeah. sacrifice and I want you, your spirit, to have its way with this event. I don't want it to be structured by Jason. I think that's an important part because mm-hmm. an administrator will try to administer all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, a holy roller will try to go that all the way. Um, and I try to really bring a combination and a balance of that. And sometimes I hit it, sometimes I don't. Well, that, that's the big challenge in life, you know. Um, I, as a pastor, and I prepared my sermons, and it was funny because— uh, Two weeks ago, I wasn't preaching. One of our younger pastors was preaching. And usually, if the service is running long, the worship starts late, it goes over, the guy doing (laughs) the uh, welcome and greeting goes long, I'm the guy feeling the squeeze because I'm trying to preach at the end of the service. And one of the young guys was preaching, so he felt the squeeze. (laughs) So when we we did a a recap a couple days later, he was the guy speaking up and saying to our worship leader, hey, yeah, it it went way over. Um, So let's talk for a minute um, about the importance of follow-through and the importance of commitment. in a church environment, because you've been a lay leader in a church. You don't get paid for your work in a church. You're a busy executive, and yet you're volunteering all the time. And you know that sometimes people don't bother to show up. They are volunteers, so they think it doesn't really matter. How seriously do you take your role, and how important is it for people to take their role, whatever it is, with a sense of excellence and commitment? Yeah. You know, when we first got married, we started coming to Living Streams actually just a month after our wedding date. Um, And I remember my uncle, who's a wise mentor of mine, saying that he had a day where they were sitting there eating donuts on a Sunday, 
um, reading the cartoons back when we had these little papers that had color material, and yeah. we, we used to look forward to those on Sundays. And he he said, am I going to be a person that goes every once in a while, and it's church is an accessory, or am I going to be somebody that's all in? And I remembered that story from before I was married, and, and Annie and I made a decision that we were going to be people that were all in. And uh, it was great when we were first going to Living Streams. We didn't have kids, so we didn't have accountability. Um, But she had two nieces that she had always taken to church. They were four and six at the time. Mm -hmm. And we felt a responsibility to them. So those mornings where we stayed out too late Saturday or had a long week, we went, no, but we got to get up for them. And so when people talk about volunteering, I encourage them to volunteer and get involved because it makes your Christian walk more than just about yourself. And I think that's such an important step that so many Christians never take is we come into the church saying, God, save me. We don't come into the church saying, God, how can I be utilized to save others? And and that's just an important transition we try to help. That's what maturity is all about. When you're focusing on what your calling is and impacting others. My guest is Jason Backus. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley. My guest is Jason Backus. Jason, let's shift for a moment back to um, your work with Bank of America. You were telling me a couple of months ago about a real interesting opportunity you had to provide counseling service, and uh, whether it was marriage or crises and different things, um, for your employees. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things that's out in public right now is the issues around domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And Bank of America is taking that very uh, proactive response to say, how can we help our associates that are going through this? Mm -hmm. And and so we started a campaign. I've been able to lead that, bringing attention to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's been great. We've done that for three years. But as I worked with that and we worked with the young ladies that were getting out of relationships and it really it can it can happen in any financial situation, in any ethnic background, Mm -hmm. um, it really can be across the ranges. Um, What I thought of, though, was my experience with men's ministry. Mm -hmm. And I said, what we're trying to do is protect the women, which is a good thing. Yeah. Um, But we're not fixing the perpetrators. You know, if I can meet with the men, just like I do in Mm -hmm. men's retreats, and work with them, we could stop this from ever happening. And so I started to raise awareness and and a couple of things that I always talk about. Number one, a guy doesn't just wake up and slap his wife. Mm -hmm. You know, he got broken as a child. He he got mistreated, and Mm -hmm. he never got help. 
Mm -hmm. Um, And then he gets into a marriage, and he wasn't part of a church, so he Mm -hmm. wasn't taught how to be a good man. He didn't have examples. Then he gets into financial um, Mm -hmm. issues, and we work for a bank, but nobody comes and gets help. And and then finally he starts drinking because of all the pressure. He's got two or three kids, and and he's in financial debt, and then he finally breaks, and Mm -hmm. a domestic violence incident happens. And so what I started saying at work is if we can uncover these pressure points Mm -hmm. somewhere along the way of that trip, we can stop it from ever escalating to that. And so last week I got to do a broadcast to all um, all bands six through three at Bank of America. That makes up 75% of uh, associates at our bank are managed by that, that scale of manager. Um, and I got to talk about my testimony. How many guys were you speaking to? Well, this this is that management mm-hmm. group. So 13,000 is about what normally shows up in those. And we did a live broadcast, television broadcast really? that went out by um, Internet all mm-hmm. over the world. And what I did is I shared my testimony of times where I haven't been able to speak to my wife mm-hmm. and times where I've dealt with depression And I talked about going and getting help Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. using the tools that Bank of America has. Yeah. Because somebody that's mature, going back to Mm -hmm. that, that what we talked about earlier, says, puts their hands up and says, I can't do this anymore. And I told my story of saying that and going to counseling. You know, counseling didn't fix a thing. Like, I didn't find that secret hey, this is how you get out of jail and your wife starts loving you again and your kids Mm -hmm. start respecting you again. But what it found is it it opened me up to start having those conversations with the men that loved me and were I was accountable to. I started talking to my wife about the problems and and really trying to vocalize some of the feelings I had. She knew there were problems, but she didn't know how I felt about it. And that's what counseling did. It got me talking and just talking... Right. All of a sudden, giants come down to size when we're, we're able to talk about it and then obviously give that to God, too. It brings it down to size. Well, what you're saying to me, Jason, is, is bringing the Scripture alive. See, the Scripture says that God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. <laughs> so you're humbling yourself yeah. when you go for counseling. You're humbling yourself when you admit that you're stressed about these different pressures. And like you said, it's not that somebody's going to say the magic sentence and heal you, but when the pride goes, then grace comes. And when grace comes, peace comes and wisdom comes and understanding comes and bridges are built rather than being destroyed. But we're afraid. I remember the first time my wife said, I want to go to counseling. And I said, well, just tell me what the problem is. And <laughs> I'll, I'll fix change. It, right? I'll change. <laughs> you know, if it's me, I'll change and whatever. Yeah, I want to fix it because I don't want to be embarrassed. Right. I don't want somebody telling me how to run my marriage. And I had all these excuses and all these fears and insecurities. And in reality, when we finally went, we went to a marriage growth group where people talked about their problems, I discovered that the leader of the group would start the class and say, well, my wife Diane and I were struggling with this. Not this is something we dealt with three years ago, yeah. but this is something we dealt with this morning or yesterday. Things, And and I had found myself not judging him, but feeling like I could trust him because he's being honest about the same kind of issues that we were dealing with and everybody deals with. Yeah. And and that's why I brought this to the workplace, because I had seen those same conversations when we would get men in mm-hmm. small group setting and the leader would share where he was failing. 
and right. where he wasn't being humble and where he had pride in his life. And and it would open up a group to begin talking about the problems. And I'm experimenting right now in corporate America, mm-hmm. but I believe if we bring that same humility into corporate America and and I can share my story, um, and I'm in Charlotte next week, and I'm talking to a couple other executives to share their testimonies. Yes. Yes. If we can bring that into corporate America, walls will come down, shame will go away, and people will be able to get the help that they hunger for. People are lonely. Yeah. People are broken. And when they get the lifeline, it it is so refreshing to them. I have to tell the story. So I, I was so high on, on what my experience had been in New York. I mean, I'm like, yes, mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Little did I know. So I get on an airplane and I'm sitting with a family of 15 people around me, grandpas, grandmas, mm-hmm. and like 40 young kids. I don't mm-hmm. know how they put 40 kids in 15 chairs, but they did. And so um, with the, we ended up having a flat on the plane. So what's already a five-hour yeah. flight ended up being seven hours oh locked in this plane with this family um, and the people around. And I started sharing why I had been in New York mm-hmm. with the guy that was sitting next to me and and what I was doing and, and what I had done in my ministry life, too. Mm-hmm. And, and what I'm starting to see is everything that I did in ministry is so refreshing to people in, yeah. in the business world. And as I shared that, he started to share his spiritual journey. And, and he's like, I've, I've started going to church because I've got a daughter who's six. And I don't know about Jesus, but, yeah. but I'm, and I got to explain where Jesus had impacted my life. Then the lady next to us, she's Catholic. She wants in on this conversation. Wow. And so we get to share with her. Then her friend at the back of the airplane comes up and we have to go through my testimony again and, and how God had helped my marriage. And, and I'm sharing all of this. I end up praying and prophesying over three people on the airplane. The last one we do when we get off the plane, and I just want to run to the car to get home to my family, but I'm like, I've got to... I've got to pray for you. Mm. I give her a prophetic word. She is weeping in the airport because the man she had been chasing, God said, that isn't a good man, yeah. but God loves you. And and she was so encouraged by that. She was going to go and break it off with this guy that she'd been waiting for six years. It was a five-hour flight, <laughs> wow. seven hours with strangers, and each one of their lives was changed. And That's it confirmed awesome. for me the ministry God has for every one of us if we just open our hands That's every right. day. That's right, and be willing to share. So how did the Bank of America employees respond to the uh, live program that you did? Yeah, it's been incredible. It must have been a little shocking for some of them, right? Yeah. Oh. It's not what you normally get in a corporate <laughs> setting. No, exactly. We get we go out to commercial break. They uh-huh. they had a video to run for Bank of America new product, and the gal that was leading the panel discussions like, did you mean to share that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I actually came with that the plan because we had kind of rehearsed where we were uh-huh. going, but we never got that deep into the yeah. conversation. And I had told God the night before, I am always going to pursue being transparent yeah. if I think it'll bring life to yes. somebody. Yes. And so the comments as we took Q&A at the end of uh-huh. that panel discussion, um, a lot of comments about, I can't believe you just did that, but thank you. 
because yes. I went through that. Um, and it was so great because I intended to tell managers how to get their people help. But yeah. so many managers, having heard me share, they said, they I can help. get help. Yeah. yeah, and and that was that was never my plan. That was just a Jesus plan that yeah. came in the middle of it. And and to hear those testimonies of people calling in and using our programs that we have in place now because of that, um, I'll always share my worst day if it gives somebody else a, a chance that's for so life. That's so neat. That is so neat. Well, you know, I mean, that's really what AA does too, right? They create an environment where people feel safe about being honest, and it's healing for yeah. them. And that's what church needs to be. But when it, you bring it into the business realm, they're going to see results. They're going to see fruit. Now, it's, you can't force anybody to do that. Some people are terrified. Yeah. But in reality, what you do is show them an example that there is no condemnation that comes from authority since G- there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Yeah. And Christ is the head of all rule and authority. Yeah. So when you humble yourself as a man of God, you don't get condemned for that. Pride, you know. I mean, obviously, you're not going to go in that situation and just start preaching to everybody. That's not the forum for it. But what you're doing is modeling how you grow as a man and as a man of God. Yeah, and and I think what you spoke on right there, Jesus rules over all of these kingdoms. Yeah, it's not just the kingdom of church. Yeah, um, and I I think that's such an important reminder, especially in this political climate. Jesus rules over that too. He he rules over corporate America. Now you got me. He going. rules now over the school you... <laughs> systems. <laughs> He's in control still. Yes. I, speaking of politics, I've been really concerned for our country. I pray for our country. I pray for our leaders, and um, I'm concerned because there's certain things that can get a nation in trouble. As as you know, the Word of God says that. Righteousness exalts a nation, and sin is a reproach for any people. And the opposite of what you were talking about, which was humility and finding grace for your marriage and grace for literally every aspect of life when you humble yourself, the opposite of that is pride. And I'm afraid that if we're too proud as a nation um, and we are going to squash the poor and we're going to beat up all the bad guys, etc., that we could be headed for some very rough waters. But rather than get into that now, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to gain some more insight from my guest, Jason Backus. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. We meet at the corner of Central and Glendale every Sunday morning at 9, 15, and 11. You can look us up on the web at livingstreams.org, and we'd love to meet you sometime in person. We'll be right back. Back to Koinonia. This is Mark Buckley. My guest is Jason Backus. Jason, um, you're a man who has several passions. You love 
sports as well as the Lord. You love politics. What's your take on the political situation in America right now? I'm more interested in getting your take, but I, I'll certainly open up this conversation. You know, as I look at politics, it, it's just like what I said with with the government um, or with the business world. I believe God's in control. Mm-hmm. And you know what? When we have a bad president in the White House, and, and I'm not saying for yeah. this one, but in past times mm-hmm. where that's been the case, I pray harder. Yeah, and too. you know what? If we're going to change the direction of our nation, there needs to be an integrity not that starts in the White House, that starts in the church. And so I'm really excited about what I'm seeing in the church right now, Um, a call to repentance, a call to prayer, a call to fasting, and I think that's what changes a nation. I agree completely. And, you know, there's a number of political issues I want to talk about briefly. But the first one, even the Apostle Paul said in the book of Acts, that you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. When the high priest told somebody to hit him in the mouth, and Paul said, you know, God will smite you, you whitewashed wall. And then somebody said, that's the high priest. He said, oh, I wouldn't have said it if I had known it was the high priest. Even though what the guy did was wrong, he respected the high priest. He respected his rulers. And I see, unfortunately, that when we have a president that a believer doesn't like, they feel free to trash him. You know, and I think that's wrong. We need to give honor to whom honor is due. And it's like the captain of your team. It's like the boss at work. It's like it's like anybody who's in authority. Once once they're in authority, God's allowed them to be there. It's in our best interest to work with them, support them, uh, even though we may never be best friends. Yeah, I think it's so important. And I think you saw it in the Clinton years where we decided as a country that if we disrespected the president, we could do that openly. Mm-hmm. And and it was never supposed to be that way. And so I go out of my way with my kids and, and conversation to talk about President Barack Obama. He deserves that respect. Right. You don't call him Barack. You don't call him. Yeah. He is the president. I remember reading the biography about Ronald Reagan that he never took his suit jacket off in the Oval Office mm-hmm. because it was bigger than him. It right. was that important. And I think we need to hold leaders at, at that esteem, mm-hmm. and then we need to hold them to that standard, too. And as Christian in our faith, we can do that by praying and interceding for them. Just like a boss at work that you don't get along with, I always say, how can I make him effective? Because then it'll be easier on me if I make him effective. And I think we've got to look at our presidents and our congressmen and say, how can I be make them more effective? Or our pastors, you know, yeah. or our spouses, you know, <laughs> be thankful for who they are, contribute, because you're going to reap what you sow. You've been a faithful right-hand man to Lloyd Baker at Streams Church. God's going to give you more ministry, and he'll give you faithful guys to serve around you. That's the way the kingdom works. If you're not faithful in that which is another, Jesus said in Luke 16, who's going to give you that which is your own? So another issue that I think is really important is how we treat the poor um, and whether we love our neighbor as ourself. Now, I know a lot of people think that we've got 12 million illegal immigrants here. We can just kick them out. We can treat them like dirt or whatever. But In the Bible, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were immigrants, and they didn't have visas. Uh, The people of Israel were immigrants in Egypt. They didn't have visas. Um, Abraham was an immigrant into the promised land. So was Isaac and Jacob. I mean, there's now we have national boundaries and, and laws, but 
the way I look at the law is this, that if, if you have somebody bleeding or dying or about to give birth in your car, the primary objective is to get them to a safe place in a hospital. It's not necessarily to go 30 in a 30-mile-an-hour zone. You, you drive there as quick as you can without killing everybody or anybody to get them to help. So if my family is dying in Mexico because of drug cartels or because of my lack of ability to provide for them because the, the environment is so corrupted and I come across the border where I can, can provide for my family, I don't think God is going to look down on me for doing that any more than if I'm speeding to the hospital with a dying person in my car. Yeah. So, I mean, again, I think their borders are legitimate and all the rest, but um, we as believers don't have an excuse for t- treating people horribly because of their status. Yeah. I, I heard a wise man once say, I vote with my mind, but I live with my heart. And, you know, on on those type of questions, mm-hmm. I do vote with my mind. I, I want lower taxes. I feel if I have more money in my pocket, I'll be able to do more for the mm-hmm. poor. I'll be able to do more in the church. Um, but I think the, the heart part of it that we always have to be especially wise on in the church is how are we responding? And, and so when it comes to Hispanics, illegal Hispanics mm-hmm. in our community, you know what? We need to be responding appropriately. Right. We have a, a neighbor in our family um, or in our neighborhood that is a first generation. So their children were mm-hmm. born here. The husband and wife weren't. And we tutor their kids because that's a way we can give back. Right. That, that's they wonderful. can't do that because they didn't grow up in the, in the same academic right. system. And, you know, that's me responding with my heart. Amen. And, and seeing churches that uh, Streams just started um, working with a group where we go down and do people's laundry for them. We fold it. We bring the quarters. We've got them for 60 minutes where we get to talk about whatever we want. And they're just overjoyed because somebody's yeah. there. What's, what's normally a lonely and mundane procedure becomes an special time where we get to tell them about God loving them. And I, th- excuse me, I think with any of these things, when we talk about Syrians coming over, when we talk about illegal aliens— yeah, you can vote with your mind. I, I I respect that. But you never have an excuse not to respond like Jesus would respond in those relationships. Okay, well, I'm glad you brought up the Syrians because let, let's say there's 10,000 Syrians and they've been vetted, okay, which they get vetted for a couple of years. Um, and one of them is a terrorist. And we don't know which one it is. Do you reject 10,000 people that are fleeing for their lives from persecution, from famine, from war, some of whom are believers? Do you reject 10,000 because one might be a terrorist? No, I don't think so. I think that just like when, when I used to hitchhike, you know, or I used to pick up hitchhikers, one out of every 10,000 hitchhikers is probably dangerous. But I picked up hitchhikers because you love your neighbor as yourself. You do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. you if you live your life primarily uh, f- for, for safety, you're living primarily for selfishness. If you're going to live for Christ, you're going to be vulnerable. If you're going to be vulnerable, bad stuff could happen. But you know what? 
great stuff definitely will happen. Great stuff because God will use you if you're willing. If you're living for yourself, why would you ever go on a mission trip? Why would you ever expose yourself to the dangers of another country? Well, the reason why is because Jesus said, go. The same Lord who said, love your neighbor as yourself, said, go and preach the gospel to every nation, make disciples of every nation. There's risk involved in being a disciple, but there's also a reward that those who just stay safe and vote for their for their people that are going to make them richer are never going to experience. Yeah, um, it was really interesting. Brady Boyd talked about it. New Life Church in Colorado Springs. They're one of the spots that's getting a lot of Syrians, and they said we went out and started a halal supermarket. Because really? we want to serve them. When they get here, we'll be the only one right now in town, and they will come, and we will get an opportunity to minister. So already they're preparing the mission field to change that. You, you want to you quit a radical Islam, go minister the power of Jesus Christ in their lives. I, I have a home group, and one of the guys involved in the home group is from the Middle East. He was Jordanian. His wife is Syrian. And we, he brought his parents to the group who are in their 70s. Their family have been believers going back for generation after generation, and they had to flee for their lives. They had to make a decision, are they going to die for their faith, or are they going to move someplace where they could live out their faith? Some of the people were reluctant to even allow them into the home group because they questioned them just on the basis of the fact that they're from the Middle East. Jesus and all the apostles were from the Middle East. The first Christians, the first Gentile Christians were all from the Middle East. And and because they may be more orthodox than us, because they may speak with a different language or have different color skin, then do we have an excuse for judging them, excluding them, you know, being afraid? No, no, we have no excuse whatsoever if we love Jesus. And I'm glad to hear about New Life Church. They're trendsetters. We need to follow in their footsteps. Yeah, absolutely. After 9-11, I don't know if you remember, but I spoke at Living Streams because um, we had just had, my wife's from India, came Mm -hmm. over at 13, and we had had a Sikh family um, murdered because they they wore the turbans, and that looked a little scary, and so we had some um, people kill them. And I remember in that week after, people looking at my wife And and going like, why are you here? I remember her dad making sure there was an American flag on every one of their cars. And and she's as American as I. I I have more of an accent than she does. Um, And yet there was that suspicion. And so Living Streams allowed me to get up. I I don't remember. I was leading an offering or something. But I shared this testimony of my wife being told to go go home, get out of our country at Costco. And, And Living Streams responded and said, we won't allow that here. And I think it's churches responding that we're not going to spread fear. We're going to spread the love of Jesus. Amen. And And those things we don't understand, we're going to come together and pray and get a God understanding before we respond politically to him. And and when we do that, we don't need government programs anymore because the church takes its rightful place as the leader's of things of this nature. Amen and amen. Well, when it comes to um, politics, again, I think there is there are good, valid points being made on both sides of the aisle, and 
on both sides of the political debate. And so I want to encourage our listeners to listen to more than one uh, radio station. This one should be your primary one, obviously. <laughs> to to watch more than one news source. Don't just be stuck with Fox or CNN. Go across the board. Listen to the other side so you can gain understanding so that you can have wisdom about how to apply your faith. We're going to be right back with more of the program after these messages. Stay tuned. Well, welcome back to... um, Koinonia, this is Mark Buckley, and if you ever want to join us at Living Streams, again, our website is livingstreams.org. We're on the corner of Central and Glendale in Phoenix, and you can look us up. Our service times are 9.15 and 11. You can check out our podcast, live streaming, or whatever. My guest is Jason Backus. Jason, in our closing minutes here, what's on your heart? You know, as you said, you get 60 seconds to talk about what you care I, I just want to talk to fathers out there, you know, and, and I'm not talking just the people that have little kids at home. I think we have an opportunity as a generation of men to be fathers to a nation. And every time I meet a young 20s guy, he's looking for a papa. He's looking for somebody to mentor him, to say it's okay that you're not perfect. It's okay that you have issues and, and to come come alongside and walk that out with them. And I think the church is a great place to do that. Um, It's a place where we collect people from all different walks Mm -hmm. of life, and you get men from all different walks of life to feed into you. Um, And then the second thing, talking to that younger generation, is you don't just have to find one person. You know, in my life, I've always had spiritual mentors, Mm -hmm. but I've also had financial mentors that Mm -hmm. taught me how to invest. I've had fatherly mentors that taught me what being a good father looked like to two girls because I didn't have any girls in my family, and I needed to know, how do I meet the needs of little girls? And you know what? So I found I, I went from looking for that one person that would be that stopgap for everything to finding a tribe of people that I could live life with and could benefit from. And that's what the body of Christ is all about, a spiritual family, well-orbed, and that's what a wise man does. Jason, you are a man of God, and I'm thankful to be your friend. Thank you so much for having me. My guest has been Jason Backus, and I hope you've enjoyed today's talk. I'm Mark Buckley from Living Streams. Uh, I also produce a little Reflections newsletter. If you ever want to receive it, you can write me at mark at livingstreams.org. If you want to contact Jason, send me an email, and I'll get you in contact with him as well. Thanks for being with us on today's program. May God give you courage to share your faith. Bye. Bye.